You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, I'm going to be talking about Christian conduct today. And we're in the 17th of the series that we've been doing in Romans. And it's from Romans chapter 13. And I'll be using the New Living Translation Bible for my references. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. You tell us that your word is forever settled in heaven. It's never going to change. Down through the ages, it is the same. And you are the same God today as you've always been. And so, Lord, we thank you that we have great confidence in coming before you today and asking that you would just give revelation on your word to our hearts. Lord, regardless of what I say, I pray, Holy Spirit, will take my simple words and use it to touch the hearts of your people, encouraging us and helping us to be good ambassadors for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. The instructions in this chapter were written to Christians who were living in Rome. Now, Rome was the capital and the center of of the empire, the Roman Empire, and the civil government. Romans 13 teaches us how we should relate to government. And we want to make the application today to our government, our provincial government and our Canadian government. Of course, uh, there's uh, application to be made to all types of leadership that we that we enter into. It is a detailed study of Christian and civil authority. Paul teaches this elsewhere in the New Testament, but here's what Peter has to say about it before we get into Romans 13. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 17, this is what Peter says. For the Lord's sake... Submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that, you, that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. I think that covers a lot, doesn't it? Amen. And the inference, inference here is that if you do not do these things, you're doing evil. Amen. So we want to be careful how we, how we respect those who are in authority. We will dwell on 
what the Lord desires of us in respect uh, to our government today. The Bible teaches that we are in, in the reality, in reality, citizens of heaven. When we became born-again believers, we took up a new citizenship. Amen? We have certain responsibilities to our secular society that we live in now as well. How we relate to those outside the church, especially those who have rule over us in society, is very important as ambassadors for God. So let's get down to my first point. God establishes governments. Uh, uh, Romans 13, verses 1 to 7. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of, of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes. For these, for these same reasons, for government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone that you owe, what you owe them. Pay your taxes and the government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Wow. Just when tax time comes, we got a piece of <laughs> Amen. Well, there are three institutions that we have been ordained by God has been ordained by God in this world. And each of them, there are level, levels of submission and, and authority. First one is the family. God has set the family up. The man is the priest of the home. This is in God's structure now, okay? There's some people that are not, not very good priests yet. They need a relationship with God. But the man is the priest of the home. Uh, in the church, God is the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And in the government, the prime minister, the premier in Canada, president in the U.S., the king in some other countries. And Paul has already warned in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world. 
And I believe too often we follow the customs of the world in our politics more than we do God's order. The biblical exhortation is that we submit to governmental authority. To rebel against authority is the same as rebelling against God. Authorities are God's servants to you and for your good. So we need to pay our taxes and give them honor. Now, it's not wrong to have a different political opinion. Okay. And when you see something happening in your, in your country and in your government and in your province that you know is not right, God has given us an avenue to look after that. We have a more excellent way of dealing with undesirable issues. We should never engage in ungodly conversation about our premier and about our prime minister, but we need to pray for them. It doesn't mean that we agree with them. It doesn't mean that we agree with what they're doing. But we need to do it God's way. God's got a way. And so, as we go through, I think you'll understand this a little bit more in what I'm trying to say here. And while I'm on this, the way is, of course, on your knees in prayer. And I just want to put in a plug for for our uh, prayer meetings on Wednesdays. Wednesday, every Wednesday, is prayer at 7 p.m. here at the church. And I want as many people as can do it, can make it, to be out. Now, I realize we've, you know, we've, we had children, if, if you, you know, we had little kids at one time. It's hard to think that right now, isn't it? But that's true, Effie and I, and we always made room to be able to get to church, to prayer meetings, and anything that was going on in church. And so uh, you can't tell me it can't be done. And uh, so uh, Wednesday is, is a time of prayer at 7 p.m. You can come for half an hour, full hour, hour and a half, whatever you want to come, but make it out and pray. And also, the Lord laid on my heart, this, for, for this year, and I, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but um, to fast at least one meal on Wednesday. So Wednesday is prayer and fasting. You can fast one meal, and uh, I fast one meal. I fa fast the, uh, the lunch meal because I have medications that need to be taken. They've got to be taken with food and all of that, and uh, you know, I thank God for the medical profession. Man, you know, like if, if I didn't have the, the medications that I take and everything, I'd, you know, you'd be lugging me out feet first. I'd be pushing up daisies long ago. But God has given the medical profession the wisdom and the technology to give us good, healthy lives today. And so... But uh, so uh, if, you can, if you can do it, uh, fast. If you can't fast a full meal, 
then cut out some things. I don't know. Do something to show God, hey, Lord, I, I really mean business this year, and I just want to spend some time with you. And I've suggested that maybe uh, during the lunchtime, rather, rather than eat on Wednesday, uh, take that time to pray. And so let's see what God will do. We Christians should plan to fight injustice on our knees and in the voting booth. That's a, that's a privilege that we've been given and an honor that we have been given and really a duty that we have been given in Canada. That if there's something not going right, we, can, we have a say in it. And if you don't vote, don't complain about the government. I mean, that's why... That's why things happen when we, when we just say, well, there's no good for me. My vote is not going to count. And, 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 and so you just don't do anything about it. And then the other side wins. The side that don't care anything about God, don't think, care anything about godly principles. And before you know it, you have a country that's running amok. And so I would, I would suggest to you that you take advantage of that. According to Paul, there is a submissive aspect to our secular duty to authority. And many of us do not care for the word submission. But it's in the Bible and it's there for a good reason. At the time that the Rome, Romans was written, Rome was being ruled by the most wicked of the Roman emperors. His name was Nero. He is credited with the death of tens of thousands of Christians. Yet Paul teaches all Christians to submit to the emperor's rule and authority. This is a clear command of the Lord to his people. However, when a government tries to take away our religious freedoms, we fight back. God is to be obeyed over the government in such cases. If the law do not contradict the laws of God, we obey without question. When laws try to enforce us to violate the clear teaching of God's word, we obey God. Just because the government makes something legal doesn't make it right. The government is not God. Okay? And so we need, to, we need to keep these things in mind. We see this in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 27 to 29. It says, when, Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. And the high priest says, we gave you strict orders never again to preach in this man's name. That's the, Jesus, the name of Jesus. He said, instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him. And you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. One version says, you, we must obey God rather than man. And so, I think that is very clear. You don't need any more commentary on that. It is clear. It's straight from the Bible. We must obey God rather than any human authority. 
God directs the events. My second point, God directs the events of history. Regardless of who is in power, they are there because the Lord has allowed it to be so to fulfill his own purposes. Now, if you feel that we got a raw deal in the last election in Alberta, consider this. How much did we pray? How much did the, the family of God throughout Alberta pray, earnestly pray, for the elections? You see, God allows things to happen. He don't twist our arm. He gives us the instructions. And if we ignore the instructions and something happens that's undesirable for our country, we can't blame God for that. Let's not forget that God allowed the ungodly nations to capture and rule over Israel when they turned their backs on him. They refused to walk in God's ways, and God allowed their enemies to destroy them. I can't help but believe that we are seeing the same thing happening for the church. It is worth considering while we still have time to make a difference. It's not too late yet, but it's getting very close. You look at some of the countries that are having being overrun by ungodly people in high places. I have to be careful how I word things because you know <clears throat> the way things are today, but if you think that can happen in Canada, you've got your head in the sand. We are very, very close to losing what our forefathers fought for and died for. And the church is the stabilizing factor or can be the stabilizing factor in our nation. We, the church, must take responsibility for the spiritual decline in our land. Oh, it is easy to just go along with the crowd and just not ruffle any feathers. We don't have too much persecution in Canada. Well, the devil is not going to make any waves if we're not being very effective. We must give the word, prayer, and faith its rightful place in our lives again. There is no group of people, no congregation, that leave these things out that will last for long. We just begin to have a form of godliness without any power, without any authority. When Daniel 
needed interpretation for King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Remember, Daniel was a captive. He was a slave. And his people had been taken into captivity into Babylon. That's over in the Iraq area today. And uh, so he enlisted his friends to pray with him for the answer. You know the story, or some of you know the story. The king was about to kill all of his wise men because nobody could interpret his dream. And Daniel intervened. Don't complain about your government. Pray about it. You'll get a lot more results. And so, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 18, the Bible says he urged his friends, he urged them to ask God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. God answers prayer, <clears throat> individual prayers and corporate prayers. God answers prayer. The Bible places great emphasis on agreeing together in prayer. When you're facing a crisis, it is biblically correct to enlist others to pray. When you've got something that's coming down the pike, that's going to affect you, has a potential to affect you, your health, your family, your children, your grandchildren, whatever it may be. It's a good idea to enlist others to pray. Say, listen, we've got a problem and we need prayer. When you're facing a crisis, you go to prayer. That night, not verse 19 says that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised God of heaven, praised the God of heaven. We don't need to tell God what to do or how to do it. All we have to do is say, God, this is the problem, and I need help. God will decide how he's going to answer. The promise is, ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open. Amen? When God answers prayer, it's right and proper to thank him and praise him. And that's what Daniel did. Our God is an awesome God of wisdom and power. Let's read what Daniel says in his giving of thanks. In verse 20 of Daniel chapter 2, he said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. Verse 21, he controls the course of the world events. He moves, removes kings and sets up other kings. Did you get that? Next time, election, next time election, if it doesn't go our way, remember what Daniel said. 
He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we ask of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. You know, if you you just stop and just think and just imagine in that day, in that hour, and and the potential for disaster that was upon Daniel and his friends and the rest of the wise men in Babylon. That was quite a thing. Put yourself in that position. And a guy says, I have a dream. I had a dream. And this is what I dreamed. And nobody can tell me what it means. And Daniel has the wisdom to say, Lord, I know that you've got the answer. Lord, we're going to fast, we're going to pray, and we're going to seek your face. Give us the answer. And God gave them the answer, and their lives were spared. Jesus said that all power and authority is given to him in heaven and on earth. And the Bible clearly tells us that he gives that power to whoever he chooses. And he chose the church. And when we look at the scriptures in Mark's uh, version of the Great Commission, we hear these words, These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. To lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus said, I did these great things before you, in front of you, but you will do even greater than these. This is the power that we have. This is the authority that we have as born-again believers. Sometimes it's one person praying for something and getting an answer, and other times it's the whole body getting together and humbling ourselves before God and praying and seeking his face to heal our land and forgive our sins. The Lord sets up and pulls down human governments at his discretion. God is still in control. Never take the attitude, whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera. Don't do that. God is able to change things around. God has given us a say in the direction of our nation, in the direction of our province. What will happen in the future? 
What was applicable to Israel thousands of years ago is applicable to us today. Second Chronicles 7.14 Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. That's an awesome promise. God's people still believe that today. And I believe that we can have a great turnaround in Alberta. In March, it was, Mar, uh, when is uh, Rob coming? March 27th. Rob Parker, the, the, head, the head, head of uh, the National House of Prayer in Ottawa. We, a group of us went down there this year, last year, just in the last fall. And uh, he, God has laid upon his heart to pray for the elections in Alberta. And he's coming here March the 27th on a Wednesday night to this church. We're going to be with him. We're going to agree together. He's going all around Alberta and wherever he can get in. To, uh, to pray, to enlist God's people to pray that God will work in the elections. And so that is something that we all can be a part of. My third point, God's requirements for his people are fulfilled by love. Romans 13, verses 8 to 10, says, Owe no man nothing, 8 to 14, really. Owe no man nothing. Owe nothing to anyone. Uh, that's my King James. I just uh, kicked into King James automatically. Except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. We are debtors to God's mercy and grace. Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and soul and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. Mark chapter 12, verses 30, 31 and then in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Isn't that awesome? Not how much good you do, 
Not how much you give to the church, not how much you give to the poor, not how much you speak in tongues or prophesy, but how much do you love your neighbor? How much do you love one another? Are you treating one another fairly, respectfully? God, by his Holy Spirit, has given us everything we need to do exactly what God has commanded us to do with respect to love. We should always apply the golden rule. It's not a religious thing. It's a biblical thing. Life is so uncertain, no one knows how long they have to live. I could drop dead before I'm finished this message. <laughs> Romans 13, verse 11 to 14. This is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living, or quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about ways of indulging in your evil desires. This passage is a reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming. And each day brings us closer to that great day. We don't know when he's coming. We need to live as if he's coming today. But we also need to be about our father's business and working and involved in evangelism and all of these good things as if he's not coming for the next thousand years. In light of that, Paul tells us to wake up, stop deliberately sinning, and begin to live a righteous life because Jesus is coming soon. Guard your mind. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Wouldn't it be nice that if everything you thought about was good and righteous and holy, Wouldn't it be good that when an evil thought comes into your heart, into your mind, that you put it out right away, that you didn't entertain it? We're human, folks. We're all human. Pastors are people who are called by God, just like you are. We all got different ministries. 
But we all have a battle to fight. The mind is the battleground of the soul, and you've always got to be guarding your heart and taking control, living in the spirit rather than in the flesh. Someone says something bad about you. Man, the things that you think in your mind, if you did it, you'd be put in jail. Isn't that right? Let's not get holy now. Let's not get, you know, super righteous or something here. We've all done it. And we all do it. And we all had to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for thinking that. But there's something gratifying to us when you give people a piece of your mind in your mind. Some of the things I've said to people in my mind, man, I'd be tarred and feathered if I said it out loud. But then I have to repent of that stuff. And this is what Paul is saying. Listen, the time is short. Watch what you're doing. Guard your heart against these sort of things. Guard your mind. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Admirable. Things of, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When you start doing that, when you start following God's example, when you start following the word in this respect, then you'll begin to have victory in your heart and in your soul. So I'm going to conclude here right now. I just want to sum up this message with a simple illustration. You're familiar with the term dual citizenship. My sister is a a Canadian, born Canadian. She married an American and she holds dual citizenship. She's a citizen of Canada, but she's a citizen of the United States. As a child, if a child is born in Canada to foreign parents, the child automatically has Canadian citizenship, as well as citizenship of the parent's home country. Regardless of our nationality and earthly citizenship, we were born again. When we were born again, we became citizens of heaven. Now we have dual citizenship. Both citizenships are essential, and we are obligated to honor both. We honor the laws of our country, and we honor the laws of God. Of course, there are at least three areas that I can think of in which a Christian should resist authority. If we're asked to violate a command of God, we are to resist. If we were asked to commit an immoral or unethical act, we are to resist. If we were asked to go against our moral convictions, our conscience, we are to resist. 
But if we resist authority in our country, we must be willing to accept the consequences. And sometimes it's going to cost you. For instance, when the government stated this year that if you wanted to have um, funding to hire students for the church or for uh, camps and things like that, you had to sign a certain paper. And a lot of Christian organizations refused to do that. And it cost them. Although it was a government decree, yet it was against our moral convictions. Finally, if we wish to be good Canadian citizens, obeying the laws of our land and honoring those whom God has set in authority over us, but put God first. Put God first. His word is truth. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You can live a good life, a prosperous life, Really enjoy what God has given you by following God's word. And you will not be in Canada at this point. You will not be in too much conflict with your government. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Put God first. God's word first. Stand up on the principles of his word. And you and I will be good Canadian citizens. Amen? Lord bless you guys. Thank you for coming today. I trust that this word will be helpful to you. If you have any prayer request. If you want to come, want prayer, we will pray with you up here. We're getting ready to uh, get ready for the, uh, the newcomers lunch outside. So we invite you, those of you who are newcomers to, to stay and we want to share with you our vision for the future for Coal Lake and how you can, if you want to make Coal Lake your, your home church, how you can fit in to the program that God has laid upon our hearts for the future. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. I pray, <clears throat> pray that you will bless the meal, Lord, that has been prepared today. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you will continue to bless us as a congregation. Bless the people, Lord, that are at uh, different uh, a couple of different uh, uh, events, one that's going, been going on this weekend here in, in Coal Lake, and another one, Lord, that's going on in Edmonton that some of our people are, are attending today. 
And we pray, Father, that you will just uh, give traveling mercies as they all travel back into Coal Lake today. And uh, we just want to thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for all of your provision. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.